Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. A study has been carried out that shows that only one in seven inter-county footballers stop playing after signs of concussion. And the co-author of the report, Derek Sockel-Randall, joins me now on the line. Derek, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me. And thank you for joining us. Um, this is actually quite worrying that only one in seven inter-county footballers would stop if they are showing signs of concussion. Um, what else have you been finding? I mean, like, why is it? Um, why are only one in seven stopping after signs of concussion? Is it because they're trying to portray this kind of a tough man image or is there something else? Yeah, I think it's uh, a multiple factors. So we, we did a first study in football, like Gaelic football, which we found very similar results to hurling. And mm. I would say the reasoning for it is because you often have understaffed teams. So first, you only have about one medical practitioner slash physio per team. And you're asking them to judge a head contact or a concussion that could potentially be 40, 60 meters across the pitch. Um, when you add in the fact that these players are wearing helmets and a lot of people kind of think that these helmets are protective against concussion when in reality they're not, they're more so used just to limit facial injuries. Um, these can kind of lead to the high rates that we see of players not being assessed. And I mean, your study found that 87% of players were assessed by medical personnel if there was some sort of head contact on the pitch, but um, the remainder received no assessment before returning to play. That's quite worrying. Yeah, and I think that number of 80, the over 80% number is actually a little bit misleading because a lot of those assessments, I think we found that over 80% of those assessments were less than a minute in duration. And when you factor in that a concussion assessment takes a minimum of 10 minutes to complete, you can kind of add up that they're not receiving the care they should be. And is it the same across all sports or are there differences between, say, rugby, Gaelic football, soccer? I would say from our, our perspective, the GAA itself, it's been the same across the board. The numbers have been very comparable in our two studies that we performed over the two seasons. But when you look at sports like rugby as well as the North American sports, they actually have a much greater rate of concussion assessment as well as a better fidelity, I should say, to the concussion protocols. And that's because they actually have dedicated video footage. Um, so they have a special team that actually analyzes the game separate to both teams and looks for head contacts and identifies players that should come off the field. Um, so that would be a method that I think the GA should potentially maybe employ in the future if funds were available. 
to help players get assessed appropriately. Would it be down to amateur status of the games? Um, you know, a lot of players might see it as an honour rather than a job, but they want to continue on themselves. Um, yeah, I think that's a, that's a huge issue in and of itself. You're at, you're, you know, you have these players who aren't getting massive salaries who have finally made it to the highest level of the sport they've, you know, dreamed of since a child of being in. Mm. And then you potentially are asking them to come off the field for a head contact that they necessarily feel fine. And that's a big issue is the kind of concussions can kind of manifest one to two days later mm. with the symptoms. So in the, you know, immediate time right after a head contact, you may feel absolutely great you may feel that there's nothing wrong with you and if you have a doctor telling you that you need to get off the field you're you're probably not likely to listen especially when you only have maybe one to two games a week in a shortened season with all the covid regulations and if you're saying to yourself well i actually feel fine and you're telling the medics that you feel fine and you know there would be i suppose that um you, you know mindset to say all right well i'm grand I'll, I'll just carry on but you know when they do that, if if there has been some sort of head contact and they feel fine, but then two days later, concussion sets in. I mean, what kind of danger are they putting themselves in by by not heeding the medical advice? Oh, I would say a massive amount of danger. Um, firstly, it's been well studied that any kind of pre-traumatized brain or a brain that's suffered a contact and receives a subsequent another contact following that contact, the magnitude of I guess destruction or the magnitude of um, effect on the player is magnitudes greater so it's a lot higher the effect than if it were just a simple head contact so you're talking about you know potentially long-term health risks such as early onset dementia a lot of uh, research has now been focused on what's called CTE or chronic traumatic encephalopathy so you'll see that a lot in American football and I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing that in the future with regards to more European sports such as um, football slash soccer or Gaelic hurling and football. And part of your study as well, um, Derek, was that people who suffer multiple concussions in a short period of time can result in second impact syndrome, which is potentially fatal. I mean, you know, is there enough being done about that? Is there enough awareness of that? Um, I think the well, from our paper, we saw that, you know, the majority of players wish to receive more education on concussion and its impacts. And I think... Mm. You know, it's a very taboo term in the media now. It's very common to hear a concussion, but many people don't understand the full grasp of its consequences and its ramifications. So I think educating the players of the potential dangers of continuing, as well as, you know, emphasizing that this could limit your career long term, maybe mm -hmm. not so much in the interim, but in the long term, then I think it may be more resonant with players because they may realize that they may not have the longevity they wish to have. And because we have such a high percentage of players continuing to play on after a head injury or a head contact, um, is this kind of mentality feeding down then to the junior teams? And is there a danger then that um, they're learning this approach rather than, you know, OK, I have had a head injury, I should come off? Um, I, I would say that at the junior level, I, I would be very surprised if this is not happening to a worse extent. Um, often with yeah. these junior level teams, you don't have a medical doctor on the sideline. You might have a parent who's, you know, healthcare based, or you might have, you know, one parent in the team that's maybe physio or, or some kind of healthcare basis. But I'd be very surprised if the children are receiving the appropriate care. Um, you know, we're looking at the highest level. So you're talking about the most amount of funding, the most amount of viewership and the highest level of audience eyes on it. So it's obvious that this has to be the example set so that the younger um, levels as well as the lower levels can follow. 
And I think that if it's happening at the highest level, I would be very surprised if it's not happening much worse at the lower levels. And I know with hurling in particular, helmets are worn. Uh, how much protection are they giving against concussion? So that's a, that's a big misconception is that the hurling helmet, although it provides a barrier and it may um, help with regards to limiting some of the minor contacts to the head, it was really brought in to limit facial injuries. So that means like broken noses, poked out eyes, um, lost teeth, those, those sort of injuries. Mm. It's actually not designed to prevent concussion. So when you compare mm. it to, I guess, the most similar would be a North American hockey helmet or an ice hockey helmet. Mm. That has millions of dollars worth of research behind it. Um, it also has a cutaway flap in the top of the helmet. It's much more heavy duty. The plastic used is a lot more rigid and firm. It also has a memory foam interior as opposed to the simple styrofoam interior. And I would say the most important aspect is it's standardized. So a lot of hurling helmets, all the players have modifications to their hurling helmets, uh, such as like adjusting the chin strap, lowering the cage for better visibility. They even cut out sometimes a little bit of the cage bars so they can see a little bit better. So when you start making all these modifications, it becomes really hard to know how much protection these players are actually being afforded by these helmets. And I so think do you medical think that staff, here they need to uh, relook at the at the helmets and um, design them more on that uh, on the ones that they wear for ice hockey? Yeah, well, I mean, that's going to be our next study now is what we're looking at now is going through the footage again and seeing what helmets the players were wearing um, and seeing which helmets kind of led to the most concussion signs or lack of concussion signs hmm. and hopefully lead to some sort of standardization. I think that's the most important thing is that the helmet needs to be standardized so that you don't have one player with one modification versus another and you don't know who's getting the better protection slash if they're even getting any protection with regards to head contacts. So do you think then that it wouldn't be a case of just designing a whole new helmet rather than modifying the one that they have at the minute? I think the modification is, is a viable route. I would say to redesign a new helmet would take a lot of money, and I don't know if that money is in the GAA to necessarily yeah. devote all that to. But I do think the helmet provides a, a foundation to build off of it. But I do think there needs to be stronger modifications, for instance, the memory foam interior, potentially a cutaway flap in the front of the helmet to prevent head to head, like crown-to-crown hits. So I think those would be the two aspects that need to really be focused on and making sure that it is standardized. Derek, if anybody wants to have a read of your study, where can they find it? Um, you can just uh, go online and look up um, Hurling Concussion, and it'll be one of the first Google searches right there. But it is available from the Irish Journal of Medical Science, is the official publisher. I suppose it's something very interesting for club owners and for parents alike. Of course, yeah. And I, I hope that all the, all the children, all the players out there are getting the care they deserve. That was the main purpose of this study, was just to make sure we are assessing them the way we should be. Right. Okay. Derek Sockel Randall, thank you very much for joining us on the opinion line this morning. Courts 96 FM. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.